going in. It's too big. Size matters not. Didn't go in. So it's big. What's up, Star Wars geeks? It's Chris, back with another episode of Hoth Topic. We're going to go ahead and do a special edition episode this week as Sarlacc Digest is on hiatus uh, for the holiday. I'm going to go ahead and knock this one out for a special edition Thanksgiving episode. Basically, what I want to do this week is keep it short, kind of go through all the things I'm thankful for in Star Wars, all the things that I appreciate over the years. And again, I've talked about why I love Star Wars, so it'll probably come up quite a bit over this episode, but we'll jump right into it. And let's start off in the very beginning, 1977. I'm thankful for 1977 because Star Wars came out. Uh, later known as A New Hope, but Star Wars came out and so did I, damn it. So meaning my entire life I've known nothing but Star Wars. Star Wars has been with me since day one. It'll be with me until the end. Again, if you heard Sarlacc a couple months ago, Scott uh, did bring the uh, point up that Star Wars will exist after I'm dead, which has completely messed up my life. Since then, I've been on meds and can't hardly get out of bed since. So thanks for that still, Scott. But since day one, you know, we're talking 41 years later, I can still throw on episode four and, and still love it and still feel that magic and still the wonder of, of seeing Luke Skywalker, the droids, the the presence of Darth Vader, seeing Leia and Han, meeting Han and Chewie in the cantina, you know, old Ben, all of this, since since day one, nothing has changed in my mind. Now, it's been enhanced, mind you, by movies and comics and such, but that movie itself, whether it's special edition, original, or anything, um, has been near and dear to my heart since day one, and I'm thankful for that. And it started the whole mass hysteria that we all have now, whether we're fighting about it or loving it or whatever, it's all started on that day back in 1977. So over the years, kind of my, my favorite parts of that movie have changed. Uh, I would say in the beginning it was all about, you know, Han and Chewie. Um, and I do love that still, you know, seeing them and seeing Chewbacca all the time. And I've always loved Chewie. And then Darth Vader, just having that presence. And Vader's, you know, I have a Vader tattoo. It's always been a, a special place in my heart for Vader. I don't know why. The, the villains always seem to be a, a big deal to me and I, kind of a big deal to everybody. But... Just seeing Vader for the first time and having him and having the Vader toys and all these things all through my life has just been a been awesome. But I'd say probably my after seeing all the movies, my favorite piece in that movie now, if I'm going to reflect on it, is probably the discussion between Obi Wan and Luke in in Ben's hut. Um, I think that discussion about his dad after what we know after the prequels, after the Clone Wars, after everything else, and seeing up through the new sequels, I think that discussion and the the lie he told him, I think that when I watch that again, that just has a, a, a deeper meaning and just knowing you know, that he's lying to him to try and either save him or guide him on a different path or knowing that he's the one that has to destroy Vader. I just think that scene right there is probably my favorite thing in all of A New Hope, as simple as it is. And then let's jump right you know, to 1980. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, which to this day is the greatest movie, not just Star Wars movie, movie of all time. Um, from start to finish, love this movie. Um, anytime I'm sick or at home or, or have nothing going on or nothing to watch, I will pop on Empire Strikes Back in a heartbeat. Uh, from the beginning scenes on Hoth to the, the Wampa, uh, 
right through to seeing the bounty hunters, the the chaser, the asteroid field, the uh, Cloud City, the whole piece on there, meeting Lando, and I love I love Lando, um, to Vader blocking blaster bolts with his hand, to Han getting frozen carbonite, to the training on Dagobah, to Vader being his father, the entire movie. I'm thankful for that movie. Probably my favorite scene in that entire movie. Um, it's easy to say the I am your father piece um, being the biggest reveal in, in the movies, um, even to this point. Um, but I would say really Han getting frozen in carbonite. And it's not just the I love you, I know part, but it's just everybody's face in there. You know, you can see Lando's conflicted about the whole thing. Leia's brokenhearted. Chewie's a mess. 3 people don't know what the hell to do. Um, you got Fett in there, Vader in there, and this badass scene with Ugnaughts, you know, latching Han up and freezing him. And it's so just dark and, and emotional through that whole scene. Um, and even looking at it now, you know, you always wondered in 1980, and I know this probably wasn't written this way, but when uh, you see it now, when Fett goes up to blast Chewie when he's throwing stormtroopers around and Vader stops him, you know, there was no real reason for Vader to stop him in 1980. But after seeing the prequels, and I don't know what was going through Lucas's head when he made it to where Anakin built 3PO, but at this point, knowing that the prequels exist, seeing that, you have to assume that Vader, and I know comics have touched on this too, that Vader knew that was 3PO, that he didn't want him destroyed, and he stopped him, and you've seen this little show of emotion out of Vader that you hadn't seen to this point in the first movie and a half now. Um, but that was awesome, and you know, you had years and years to figure out why the hell he would stop him from shooting at Chewie. And come to find out it was because of 3PO. So I just love that movie. And, it, you know, any movie that comes out, if Episode Nine can beat it, go for it. But it's going to, it's always measured up against Empire. Every movie that comes out, you know, whether Star Wars or not, measures up against Empire Strikes Back. Now let's fast forward to 1983 and Return of the Jedi. Uh, what we thought would be the last chapter in Star Wars. You know, I'm six years old and I remember uh, quite clearly being in a movie theater with my family um, and them going ahead and leaving me and going to the mall, and I sat there and watched it straight in the front row three straight times. You know, the entire movie as a kid especially just grabbed you. You know, it was more colorful than the other two. It had Ewoks. It had, you know, Jabba's Palace and, and all these different aliens fighting. You see Boba Fett die in the Sarlacc pit. Um, you know, you see the Emperor really, you know, show off powers we hadn't seen before. Uh, Akbar, you got Lando in the Falcon, you have Han getting saved, um, Chewie going after a snack and getting trapped, all these cool things. You see Ewok's about to burn the heroes. 3PO tell a story after saying for two movies that he's not much of a storyteller. And up to Vader's redemption and, and the unmasking of Vader, then seeing the Force Ghost at the end. I mean, everything in that movie was great too. And I hear a lot of bitching about Ewoks. Um, but even now, I, I still love Ewoks, and they've expanded on them a little bit in the new canon uh, to where they aren't just, you know, little creatures stuck on a planet where they've had, you know, hacker Ewoks and, and of, of the sort. Uh, but that whole movie, you know, I mean, none of these I hate, to be honest with you, obviously. But that movie I was thankful for because it was really the one I remember seeing in the theater over and over again. And as a young kid, it was you know, up there with Empire. It's dropped down on my list now as other things have come out. But obviously those were, uh, it was a big deal then. And in return, I would say my favorite scene probably is the the escape from Jabba's barge. That whole fight scene there with 
uh, Luke and his getting his lightsaber from R2, how the plan all came together from Leia choking out Jabba uh, to Lando about falling in the pit and Han blindly, you know, shooting the tentacle, you know, and, and Lando bitching about, you know, a little higher, a little higher, all this stuff, the whole scene, um, even Boba Fett's demise, you know, weekly, albeit, but everything in there and seeing the, you know, the weak way and the skiff guards and everyone and the Gamorreans, all, all these things on this barge and in the skiff and on Tatooine, I just think that was a, a great scene and probably my favorite scene in that entire movie. Now, after 1983, there was a lull in real Star Wars stuff, right? We had the Ewok Caravan of Courage and, and that kind of stuff. Um, we had the droids cartoon, the Ewoks cartoon. Um, but really, there was a lull in the overall lore of everything. I don't count Splinter of the Mind's Eye that was supposed to, you know, be Empire if Empire didn't happen. I don't count all these things as EU and the Han and Lando adventures. I want to talk about 1991 when the real EU started uh, with Heir to the Empire, the first uh, Zahn uh, book in the Thrawn trilogy. And I think that is what really brought Star Wars back right in your face. I always had it, and I had them on my VHS, and I would watch them all the time, and, and still had, you know, the figures. But really, you know, life had gone on at this point for eight years without anything really new and exciting. And then I'm a freshman in high school, and I'm in the Vaughn shopping shop supermarket, and I see this book on a shelf, and I'm like, what the hell is this? So I grab it immediately, take it home and read it right away, and just fell in love with it and couldn't wait for the, the next chapter to come out, the next book, and then the next. And you had to wait you know, so long to get them. It was like waiting for the movies. Um, but that book, opening the door for the EU and then everything else blowing up after it, um, I even did a had to do a book report, I remember, in freshman year, and I did it on Heir to the Empire. And then you had to draw pictures with it. So, you know, you would draw Thrawn, and this, I think I had to do five pictures. So I had four pages of drawings, and the fifth page was blank because I was just tired of drawing at this point. And the teacher's all, this is a blank page. And I'm all, no, that's a cloaked ship. So I, I remember that very clearly. Got full credit on it because uh, creativity and all. But I remember that, and I'm very thankful for that book blowing up the EU and starting it. And then for the rest of the EU, you know, there was plenty of great books after that. I remember Shadows of the Empire coming out on the as the game, as the CD, uh, as the book, as everything. And Shadows was a, a big, big deal. You know, the Bane trilogy. I'm actually listening to the Bane trilogy again right now. You know, so much lore in the old EU um, that, you know, trickles in now into the new canon and again, you guys know I'm a big Canon fan, but I do appreciate and was thankful for the EU keeping it going for years and years um, before and after the prequels up until the Disney uh, transaction. And though it doesn't count anymore and it's not Canon, it still is entertaining. It's still fun. It, it's still, like I said, I'm, I'm, I just went through all the Thrawn books, um, even the Hand of Thrawn books. Um, still love all of those. Still love the Bane trilogy I've gone through three or four times in the past year. Uh, just love that whole set. And, you know, there was a lot of good stuff there that you got to be thankful for that it existed. Um, still added to the lore, just and hopefully it, it trickles into the new stuff. Now, how about 1999? So, 22 years after the original Star Wars and 16 years after Return of the Jedi when we thought it was all done, we get Episode One. And I remember leading up to Episode One and seeing that first trailer of the... Gungans coming through the the mist and wondering what was going to be going on there and how the the journey has a beginning and, and 
you know, seeing that whole teaser trailer was just so exciting. I remember getting teared up uh, seeing it that I was going to see Star Wars again on the big screen. And then 1999 came out, and, man, we jumped right in line. And I remember seeing it, you know, two times right in a row. I went to the uh, early midnight showing uh, with a group of friends and then came right out. I remember uh, Marco, Darth Mooch, was uh, waiting outside in front of the next line, and I jumped right back in line with him, not saying a word about what happened, you know, and and how cool that that whole experience was. Um, Even back then, getting back in lines for toys at Toys R Us uh, with with Marco, and I had just got back from Celebration 1 in Denver, you know, which was a wild experience and way different than it is now. You know, it was in a, a little... Basically, like a you'd go to a uh, a gymnasium is pretty much what it was, and a couple uh, portable buildings and some tents outside with some KFC uh, in the pouring rain, lines everywhere. It's nowhere near what it is today, uh, but that experience too. Just leading up to this, you know, and having Darth Maul and all the packaging and getting these cool posters and that teaser poster that I still love and have right in front of me right now with Anakin with his Vader shadow on Tatooine. You know, everything about the lead up there was just so fantastic. And we were so ready for Darth Maul to be this villain for a whole trilogy until Vader took him out. And that was always the theory. And then to have him wiped out immediately um, was such a heartbreak. Uh, and perhaps a miss, perhaps not. You know, he did come back pretty awesome in, in uh, the EU slash canon. Um, but I, you know, just remember the anticipation for that movie being just out of the control. And really just getting that experience and starting us up again in getting in lines for major blockbuster movies uh not just star wars you know after this we we started doing the marvel movies when that popped you know uh, after spider-man and going to see all those things but nothing is quite like a star wars line even to this day i can get in line for a marvel movie and it's just not the same or uh, when the potter movies were out it's just not the same a star wars line is a, a total experience now my favorite scene in that movie we're going to say is the pod race scene. No, it's not the pod race scene. I fucking hate the pod race scene. Uh, it's obviously Duel of the Fates. There's no other scene that even compares to Duel of the Fates. It's one of the best scenes in all of the movies, uh, especially at the point, and this is my favorite part of Duel of the Fates, is right after Qui-Gon's death, and you see Obi-Wan just bouncing behind that uh, radar. Uh, it's just <laughs> insane how you can see the dark side was in him, how angry he was. He was... He was he was straight ready to, to kill. You know, he was letting his anger and his sorrow and everything else get to him, and his emotions were on fire. And you could see it in Ewan McGregor's eyes that he was ready to kill Darth Maul. And as soon as that door lifted and the lightsabers hit, or his lightsaber ignited, Maul's was already up. Man, it would just went insane, and you wanted to jump out of your seat and go crazy. Uh, you know, the flips, the, the quick lightsaber action we had never really seen before. The block behind the back, just all insane, you know? And I wish that fight would have gone on another 10 minutes, you know? But Darth Maul, you know, using the Forester in a lightsaber battle, being a dick Sith that he is, probably knowing that he was in a little bit of trouble, showing again how great Obi-Wan is. Uh, I, I just think that whole scene right there, just even that quick, the lightsaber clashing of Obi-Wan and Darth Maul is one of the best, if not uh, one of the best, lightsaber duels in the entire uh, saga. You know, 1999 is also the year I uh, I met and was together with my wife for the first time. So another big year, right? Uh, a lot of this stuff happens. You know, I was born, you know, for the first one. I was 
you know, with my soon to be wife on the new set of trilogies, a uh, bunch of life moments just reflecting back and how it's like, again, it's always a part of my life. So let's flash forward now to uh, 2002. Now we're 25 years after, and now I have a son, a year old, um, obviously not in line with me, uh, but named Luke. And uh, for obvious reasons, it's not biblical, folks, unless you, of course, count the trilogy as biblical, which I kind of do. Now, this line was a bit different. Uh, Marco and I and, and Force Ghost John all went down. I believe we were in Fullerton, uh, which is a good hour and a half away from our, our hometown. But we went down there for the show, and, you know, we weren't too far back in line. But this line was out of control. Like, people were um, lightsaber fighting, like, for real in the line, like, ready to go at it. I remember one guy got hit, and before you know it, he either had to switch off a tree or a freaking chain. What I forget what it was, but he was, like, whipping the other dude. Like, it went out of control. There were just nerds unleashed. Um, so that was wild. Then it got to the point where it was almost time to go in the theater. The movie was going to start at midnight, and they hadn't opened the doors yet. And I remember everybody just banging on the windows, banging on the walls to get in, and it was it was mayhem because you had to run in there. You know, there weren't assigned seats. Man, it was just mayhem getting in that one. That was It was the most interesting line maybe, but not the most fun. Uh, and then the movie itself, you know, there was a bunch of things that popped in there that really blasted the extended universe away when we see, obviously, Django uh, being the the template for the clones. This is when we finally get to see the, the clone wars happen that Obi-Wan talked about in that scene from, you know, A New Hope I talked about. And now we can see how the clones happen, and it's Django Fett, who's obviously related to Boba when you first see him, and then we've realized that Boba is a... Uh, exact clone of this guy so now when you look at it you look at every single clone in the clone wars was boba fett and when you see boba fett in empire for the first time you realize it now especially that we've seen his face you know thousands of times in the clone wars and in the movies and how how cool that is but how weird it was at the time and i know some people still have a problem with it but i i think it's fantastic you know i think a lot of the the worlds they go to in the prequels were really well done um, I think going to Camino, that was awesome. I think seeing the Jedi Temple inside and the library and all these things, how how great that was. Uh, Geonosis, you know, a lot of uh, world building outside of, of places we've already known, that was great. Now, when you watch it today and we, we watch it together as, as a group, um, the CGI doesn't hold up as well as any of the other ones. I think he overdid a little bit of the uh, the computer graphics. But... Store on paper, it's a great story. A uh, lot of things people still bitch about, but uh, all in all, I, I I enjoy episode two a lot. It's still bottom two for me, um, just ahead of episode one to be honest. But it's not like it's horrible, right? Ranking Star Wars movies, the worst Star Wars movie is still better than most other movies. Um, I would still rank it ahead of ninety five percent of the movies I've ever seen, which is quite a lot. And if I'm going to go for my favorite part in that movie, um, it's very quick, very simple. It's the when Dooku and Yoda square off. Not the actual lightsaber flipping. I know everybody just dies about that, but I don't mind it. But just the, the piece where Yoda's shadow hits when Dooku senses him and he comes around the corner, you know, and, and Dooku tries to get him and you see him just stop everything Dooku throws at him, whether it be the ceiling or the force lighting, and Yoda absorbing, you know, dark force energy um, to the point where he pulls his robe back 
and pulls his lightsaber to his hand. You see the mini lightsaber pop out. That's got to be the best scene in that entire movie um, for me, you know, and I'm thankful to have seen that. You know, we get to see Yoda fighting, Yoda doing actual action and, and just being a badass and cocky, and he, he was throughout the next movie and throughout the Clone Wars. You know, Yoda was just about untouchable, and I loved it. Right on. Now, uh, let's fast forward to 2005. And at this point in my life, now I'm, well, I don't even know how the fuck old I am. What, 28? Now I have two kids. My second child at this point is one-year-old Logan, um, because who doesn't love Wolverine? Um, Now I'm in 2005, and and now we get into the big line, right? We think this is the last one we're ever going to see, because it's been made clear that this is the end. Okay? So... Marco and I again, and Force Ghost John and a bunch of other guys, we go in line days before. We're in tents, like two or three days before. I forget how long it was now. It's been so long. But days before, we come up with cases of beer and tents, realizing we're like the seventh tent in line. People in front of us are set up with, you know, uh, generators and TVs and Nintendos, and they're watching the films and everything else. And we're like, what the hell? These guys are like, pros and we think we're pretty good at this shit but somehow days before we're you know seven tenths back but still plenty of no nobody jumping in front of us no 95 people like we do to people now we had always known somehow some way that vader became vader by obi-wan uh kicking him into a volcano in the lava and making him have to wear the suit so we knew that was coming right uh, but the rest of the movie, you know, seeing... You realize I haven't mentioned Padme the whole time, right? Because she was like the worst part of the entire prequels and Clone Wars. Um, but seeing how Anakin is turning because of Padme and watching this, though the Clone Wars flesh it out better, you get a little bit of enough um, in this film uh, to see Anakin really struggling with this piece. To see, you know, the mother of Luke and Leia give birth to them and see them as infants as newborns you know how great is that to see the emperor um fighting you know with his lightsaber in this film um to anakin turning to the dark side to seeing all of this um the opening scene right it's probably the best intro in all of the saga um the music the explosions the scene just the entrance into that first scene um with obi-wan and anakin in their ships that's fantastic I, I really, again, episode three is one of my favorite films in all the saga in all the world. Um, it's pretty, pretty perfect. You know, it's it's just hard to pass Empire, but uh, Revenge of the Sith is, is phenomenal. And I've talked about this on the show, you know, when we did the episode three breakdown, the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin and the emotions and everything, that piece with uh, Obi-Wan picking up the lightsaber at the end, leaving him for dead and how hard that must have been. Um, Yoda walking in and knocking the royal guards back and again getting cocky with the Emperor. I, I just loved it. You know, we had seen Yoda and Palpatine together on several occasions over the films, but to see Palpatine be the Emperor and, you know, the dark side user, the Sith, fighting against Yoda, you know, the two ultimate powers uh, going at it and just how great that was and showing how powerful the Emperor was, but also just showing how Yoda was. And I think that was great. Uh, to go into Kashyyyk, um, seeing the Wookiee homeworld and seeing them fight and and Order 66, which I'll just jump right into it now. If we're going to say favorite scenes in the in the movies, um, right off the bat, you've got to go with Order 66. Um, the entire thing was so emotional. 
um, the music, seeing all the Jedi get turned on by their their clone friends, which becomes more emotional after the Clone Wars um, cartoon. You know, seeing that, uh, seeing Anakin go into the temple and then killing the younglings, it, it was just so much. And how can that not be? You know, besides the lightsaber duel, which is obviously a a close second, um, that Order sixty six scene with with the the low music and everything going, it's got to be my favorite scene in all of Episode three. But I'll tell you what, I love Revenge of the Sith. Um, I, you guys have seen my rankings. It's it's close to four, if not past four, at this point. You know, it's always Empire, but it's Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope fighting for second. Now, before I get to the sequel trilogy, let's talk about uh, the animation. Now, I know some people don't dig on animation and they think it's all for kids. They don't think it adds to the lore, but I'm telling you, they're missing out. Uh, The Clone Wars cartoons and Rebels, not so much Resistance yet, but I'm still giving it a shot. I'm still not convinced it's worthy of uh, Clone Wars or Rebels as far as rankings go. Um, Something else has got to pop in there soon. Everything's a filler to me. Um, But with that said, um, the other two, Clone Wars... And you can even just put in Clone Wars, the micro series too, into this. Just added so much to the the movies. This this Clone Wars, for example, you got to have a relationship now with the clones and realize that they all have the same face, but they all have different personalities, and and they're close to their their Jedi generals, and how that made it more emotional back in Order sixty six that I just talked about. Um, seeing Anakin go through all the struggles he went through throughout the Clone Wars. Um, his trials and everything else uh, that just made it, you know, more so. And, and every time you got to see like on the Mortis arc when he'd have a vision of him as Vader, uh, th- how great was that? And his fight with the dark side and, and Ahsoka, who I, at first I didn't think I was going to like at all, but we get introduced to Ahsoka early on. I didn't dig her in the the animated movie at first, but man, as it went on, she became one of my favorite characters. Um, it really fleshed out. Dooku, you know, it didn't flesh out Grievous as much as it should have. The micro series did a better job of that. Grievous was a monster in the micro series. He wasn't so much in the in the Clone Wars. Not as not as great as he was in the micro series. And then uh, Asajj, Asajj Ventress, what a great add uh, to the lore. Uh, still one of my favorite villains. Now I wish she could be in a movie, but obviously, you know, if you read the book, she's she's not going to be in a movie. Um, Hondo. You know, several different characters that were added to this and the stories behind them. I think the Clone Wars was phenomenal. And then Rebels, you know, I at first I kind of had the feeling like I do with Resistance, but that only lasted for like an episode and a half. Uh, Resistance is lasting quite a while on this feeling. But Rebels, you know, got me, um, and it got darker as it went on. And again, I hate that I'm always looking for darker, but these are dark times, right? This is during the, the Rebellion. It needed to go dark. Um, Jedi were being hunted or thought they were almost extinct should have been at this point but we find two new force users Jedi um, during this time and, and how great was that and to meet this crew you know of the ghost I, I just loved Rebels and they added so much into it with you know with Darth Maul coming back and we see Obi-Wan on Tatooine we see Obi-Wan take out Maul we see Maul try to take Ezra we see all we you know it, it's you get a lot of Sith lore in here with with uh, holocrons, it, it was just an awesome series. Loved it. Loved the last season. Loved the Vader scenes. Oh my God, Vader, uh, getting the at at toppled onto him, it, and then um, showing his power and how he just lifted it right off of him. And the the look on the faces of Ezra and Kanan at this point, just phenomenal. And the fight with Ahsoka and Vader, 
that was great. My favorite scenes, I'm, I'll do a couple here. I loved the Mortis arc, obviously, uh, in the Clone Wars, and I love when Yoda was off on his trials and training to become a, a Force ghost, to become one, one with the Force. I love those two arcs uh, so much. And then in Rebels, I won't say much so much an arc, but I love the point when Vader is coming after the ghost and Ahsoka and him sense each other. And what a cool feeling that was when I, I got chills uh, thinking about it right now. You know, the apprentice lives, you know, and, and she like faints from, from understanding what's going on. I just love that scene so much. That and the Darth Maul uh, finale with him and Obi-Wan. Just great, great scenes. And then the, the last episode was, was really phenomenal. And of course, the return of Thrawn. How can... How can anyone not just be excited that they put Thrawn in here, made Thrawn awesome, um, that he they've confirmed that he's still alive, so he's still going to get more stories on him and Ezra. Um, but the whole Thrawn arc, I guess, if we're going to do an arc, everything with Thrawn was, was awesome. I just loved it. Now, the next piece I'll, I'll be thankful for, and you know some people disagree with this, but the Disney acquisition... Uh, I'm thankful for that because we ended up getting a lot more stuff, Rebels included, Resistance will figure out. But a whole new set of canon books, you know, reshaping and making the extended universe, the old extended universe, extinct, which which was sad to a point. But it was really uh, twisted and out of control and inconsistent. This canon has been extremely consistent with the stories. Um, not all are great. Some are fantastic. Some are okay. Some are meh. But for the most part, they've been solid and a very consistent um, map throughout, whether it be animation, movies, books, or comics. They've done a really great job of that. So I, I, I'm grateful for and thankful for the Disney acquisition. And it gave us more and more and more because it gave us Rogue One. It gave us Solo, which, by the way, you know, changed the way I do look at the original trilogy because they added more depth to the characters. Um, it, it changed a little bit of the background, so when you watch Rogue One then A New Hope, it's completely a, a bit of a different story, at least in the beginning or the, the rebellion part and the plans part. Um, and then Solo, given that added depth, so when you see them together, I just I just see you know, Han, Lando, and Chewie in a different dynamic now, so I love those. And then the, the sequel movies, I, I don't get it. I just don't. That... You know, Force Awakens come out, and everybody bitches that it's too much like the originals. Uh, Last Jedi comes out, and it's too, you know, too different. It's, come on, guys, it's, it's either too much the same or too different. You, you can't, it, it's unreal that people bitch about everything. But The Force Awakens, I was so, so happy when that came out. And how can we not be? You know, we, we got new Star Wars, jeez. Um, and we get introduced to new characters. We got to see our old characters again. How can people just not be happy with getting more Star Wars stuff? And I know part of it is everybody was butthurt because it wasn't the way they had it in their head canon, or it wasn't the way the EU went. But that's the point. Why are we going to keep spinning the same story? You know, Civil War and Marvel didn't go like the Civil War comics. You know, uh, Infinity War didn't go like the Infinity War comics, word for word. It's nothing's exactly the same in comic to film. Why does it have to be from EU Star Wars to film Star Wars? Why does that have to be exactly the same? They said they were changing it. They made it very clear they were changing it. So what the hell is the deal with everybody? Now, first and foremost, when you look at The Force Awakens, we'll just go right into that. Um, it looks beautiful, right? From from the very beginning, you know, we, we meet Poe and Lor Senteca and BB-8, and we 
right right into right into the mix of meeting these people and meeting Ray and then seeing seeing uh, the stormtroopers and Kylo and Phasma. I mean, just right off the bat, you get a, a bunch of characters in, in the mix, and I I loved it. And Kylo Ren, I think, is obviously the my favorite character in the new sequel trilogy, and he catches a lot of shit too for being whiny or whatever. I just he's so different than anybody else we've seen anywhere. He's emotional. He has no control of his emotions. And when you look at his background, I know I've talked about this on the show. You know, he's twisted, man. He's been abandoned by his mother and father, turned on by his uncle, has powers he can't control, finds out he's the grandson, you know, of the most evil motherfucker ever. And that's not until he's well older, you know, till three years before um, The Force Awakens. So this is just all going on within the, the few years here. So I don't get people. I really don't. Because that, that movie was a lot of fun. Um, I can see the resemblances between the original trilogy and that, but that's kind of what makes it, you know, fun. You you, you got to see that, you know. I, I I don't get it. And then not seeing Luke till the end. Everybody was expecting to see Luke, and they're going to find him. He's going to do this big old thing in Force Awakens, and to see him just at the end, I thought that was great. And not see a word that was completely different than what anybody expected. It's not what I expected. I expected to see him pretty early on, but now, uh, you know, seeing Leia again, seeing Han again, seeing Chewie and him together. So, I mean, I guess if I'm going to do favorite scenes in The Force Awakens, eh, that's a tough one. It's between Han and Chewie going back on the Falcon, but we've seen that in the trailers, right? So, I'm going to have to go with the Han and Kylo Ren discussion on the bridge when he yells for Ben and has him take off his mask. And, you know, I think that whole discussion with him and seeing Kylo kind of play him and Han think he's going to, you know, turn him and then he just, you know, turns and, and kills Han I th- and then the emotion on you know Ray's face and on Chewie especially you know in the trailers I really had it in my mind that I was gonna just break down crying because I thought you would see Chewie putting down bombs in the trailers and you seen explosions I was sure that Chewie was somehow gonna sacrifice himself and blow up a door blow up a building with him in it getting everybody else to safety and I was just so ready for that um and I still think that would have been the most, most emotional thing ever in Star Wars, and people be talking about it now. But um, having Chewie around still, I, I love. But that same scene, seeing the anguish on his face when Han is killed and killed by Ben, I, I think that's got to be the most impactful and my favorite scene in the, in the movie. Now, the most controversial of all the movies, obviously, is The Last Jedi. Uh, Last Jedi comes out. And everybody's ready. We're ready to hear about Snoke and the Knights of Ren and all of these things. And none of it happened the way we had planned. Right? We went in our big line. We had our thing. We had our podcast right after. And we were all kind of in shock by it not doing anything we expected. And I think that took a minute for a lot of people to get over. The problem is a lot of other people didn't want to see it twice, didn't want to think about it, just wanted to hate it and never give any deeper thought into what the meaning or how the story went or what it did. And I think that's a a big miss on a lot of people's part. And it ended up ruining Solo's box office because people are jackasses. But this movie, to me, obviously, it's in my bottom three or four as far as watchability goes, rewatchability. But with that said, it's not bad at all. And when you watch the story, again, on paper, it's fantastic. Um, I love the connection between Kylo and Rey, and that is not Raylo at all. I love the Praetorian guard scene. I love everything that Snoke did and said and, and went through. I love uh, Luke being a hermit at this point like Obi-Wan was. I, I, I love all of that. 
So there's not much. I, I even dig the Poe talking shit to Hux in the beginning. You know, I know a lot of people think that's too current a time and earthly, but I I like that part. I, you know, a message from his mom. I mean, I love that. That's 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 my kind of shit. Dig it. But I think everyone's expectations were just way out of whack, and they they couldn't see the film for what it was, which is a really creative, different Star Wars film that took it in a little bit of a different direction and gave us things we had never seen before. And how cool that was. Now, you know, I've talked about Luke's arc ad nauseum uh, on each show and episode four of this show. Um, but I, I, I just love that whole thing and, and how he ended up sacrificing himself at the end is so Jedi-like, right? You Like Qui-Gon, and knew he, he sacrificed himself. He, he'd given himself to the Force right there to Darth Maul. You know, Obi-Wan sacrificed himself uh, to, to save Luke, and he knew he'd help him better off you know, as a, as a force ghost Yoda in return, you know, he just sacrificed himself. He gave up so he could become one with the force at this point. He let himself die and not held on like he had been just so he could help out, you know, uh, other ways. Vader sacrificing himself in the end when he became a Jedi again and saved his son. Then here's Luke sacrificing himself to save the rebellion. It's such a Jedi thing to do. Even the hiding part is such a Jedi thing to do. So I don't, I don't get the bitching and moaning and stuff. And, I'm going to go to a favorite scenes here. It's going to be that piece on Crate with Luke projecting himself. From the second he walks in to the bunker on Crate and everyone turns around and he's there, you know, to him winking at, or, yeah, winking at 3PO, to him handing the dice to Leia, um, that whole discussion, to him walking out and, and taunting uh, Ben or Kylo. From that whole piece, I loved it. The rage in Kylo saying, I want every gun to, to fire on that man. You know, just everybody's just uh, emotions are up, loved it, and, and Luke just taunting, taunting Kylo. It, it, there's nothing better, man. That, that's, a, that's a great scene. It's really one of the best scenes in the entire saga, but it doesn't get enough credit because everybody wants to bitch because it's not their Luke. But, man, I, I can't wait for Episode Nine to see what happens and see Luke back as a Force ghost uh, to see what's going on. I'm sure we'll get some Knights of Ren stuff. We're going to have to, you know, with, with Abrams taking back over, maybe get a little bit of Snoke story. I think there's a one shot comment coming out on, on Snoke. So we'll get some more information there. And, you know, people that only watch the movies don't get that. Sometimes the backstories aren't going to be there. They weren't always there in the original stories, the original movies. We got that from the EU. We got that from the prequels after the fact. It doesn't always happen right in front of our face. Um, so people that want it right in front of our face just can't, they don't have any imagination. They don't want uh, the thrill of waiting. They don't want to read a comic, read a book, or do anything else. They don't want to do any other work but watch movies. And, you know, that's just not what Star Wars is, man. Star Wars isn't just the movie. Star Wars is a fucking life, and it has been for a lot of us for 40-some-odd years now. And I think that's where people miss stuff, and they don't get the full effect that some of us do. Not that anybody's better than anybody else or anything like that, and it's kind of geeky to say it like that, but we just get a, a deeper feel for it because we're a little more emotionally connected. It's not just a movie or set of movies. Um, it, it's a whole universe, and, and it's got to be explored, and it's got to be understood, and it's got to be you know, loved and, and kept up on, uh, really. So that's what we're here for. You know, If you don't have time to read the books or read the comics, we'd like to just try to keep you up to speed on, on what's going on and, and give you some background. Um, you know, With all that said, I think I'm just going to end it with this piece and my last bit I'm thankful for is that thankful for the friendships and everything I've, I've gotten through Star Wars you know so many friends um, you know Marco and the guys you know Scott and Ernie and Mike and John and everybody that you know comes and all the RLU guys 
that come through from us talking about Star Wars and all you guys for listening to us just blabber on. I blabbered on for 40 fucking minutes about nothing right now, just about the movies and, and what I like and, and everything else. But I know there's four people out there listening to it, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you guys giving input. I'm thankful for you guys and, and following the page and, and talking on the page and tagging us and stuff, both the Sarlacc and Hoth Topic. You know, it, it's it's something neat that we can be part of a community. And I'm thankful that we have more movies coming out and more stuff coming out. And Man, I... I just I love Star Wars, and sometimes you need it, right? Life's hard, so sometimes going to a galaxy far, far away is exactly what we need, and we'll go there together, man, and I, I dig that. So tell you what, if you guys want to drop me a line, drop me a note, I'll talk about it on the next episode. Um, hope you enjoy my blabbering on here for, for 40 minutes, like I said. Happy Thanksgiving, and until next time. I'll see you in hell. What I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe. Ooh. He can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think? I, I mean, we I, might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter, and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and you know, sure, just sure. just all kinds of actors, and and I think people will do that. I think. Sure. Why not? Well, you know, what? I don't know. Maybe we're overthinking this whole thing. How about if we just tell people where to find us? I like that. You can find us at who will survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh, wait. Can we do it underwater uh, with that, piranhas killing me? That and would kind of be brutal. And if that doesn't work, then you can do the regular promo. All right. Well, just get in the water, and I'll go get some fish. All right, cool. Join the Nerds with Attitude podcast each week, now part of the Raw Live Unedited Network, featuring the Nerds with Attitude podcast. Covering pop culture nerd news. TV shows. Movies. Comics. No! And toys! Also, listen to Nerd Tunes with Scott and Kevin. Movie reviews with President Rob. Kevin interviews. And more. And remember, keep it nerdy. Kevin interviews. Nope, that's the show about cats. I talk to cats. In a world with far too many Star Wars podcasts comes one more Star Wars podcast. The Sarlacc Digest, a bi-weekly show covering Star Wars news, toys, book reviews, fan theories, and new canon discussion. All wings report in. Join the Sarlacc Digest hosts as they bring you knowledge and lore. 
man, whenever the Yuzon Vong dropped the moon on Chewbacca's head, it, it, I shed a Holy tear, shit, dude. What? Not f***ing canon. Jason and Jaina Solo. Why is it so hard for everybody to understand? The passion. So when Luke took off Vader's helmet, you could just see the sadness going in, the lighting and the, and the tears forming, and it's just... The soundtrack just starts raising, and uh, then... You know it's a movie, right? What? The fandom. Okay, so I have my Darth Vader camping chair for the line, my brand new exclusive Luke and Leia vans, my Star Wars pop vinyl wristband that I just got. Oh, oh did I tell you that I was going to get my next... Uh... And the collecting world. I got the orange card of figures. I got the green card. I got the red card. Okay, do you have circles on hand? No circles? Half circle? Half circles? Half circle. You got Palpatine blue saber? I do, and the barge. What the f***? No, not the barge. The Sarlacc Digest, bringing you line talk and digesting Star Wars topics over a thousand years. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're proud members of the RLU, Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Find us, rawlivepod.com. Pigs and Fricks is uh, part of the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network, which means you can listen to the podcast on iTunes. Podbean, Stitcher, or the listening platform of your choice. Or you can go directly to rawlifepod.com. Yay!